1: Bless.
2: good morning and welcome to this episode of the black tuesday podcast so much news so much to do of course my co-host the pride of florida state which we gotta extend our condolences to coach bobby bowden's family on the passing of the legendary football coach but i'm sure that before we jump into other news my co host Stephanie lens probably had a Bobby Bowden story or even a program story. Good morning, Stephanie, how are you?
3: I'm well. How are you doing?
2: I'm great. Now do you have a specific Bobby Bowden memory?
3: Um, not really. You know, I never met him, but he was easy to meet. Um he always did signing stuff and things like that. Um in Tallahassee. Like it was just like a case of what am I going to do this weekend? Eh, I'll go down and do some signings. Um, I know lots of people who had met him. I worked in um, retail, and we um, did, um, like, after college and in the end of college, and they would have, like, merchandise come in, and he would come in and sit at a table, you know, maybe with Mickey Andrews or somebody else, and they would just sit there and sign merch and talk to people for as long as they wanted to sit there and talk to people. Um, so, uh you know, I never, because I was working, I didn't go, get to go down and see him and get him any merch signed. But um, it's a case of, you know, he's there and, uh, you know, he's making time for the people that really make a big deal about it. But a lot of people, Florida State fans, especially ones that live in Tallahassee, have stories because you just run into him at the grocery store or, you know, at the mall or something like that. Or a lot of people knew him from church because they were really active in the church there. So um, I don't know anybody who has a bad story about Bobby Bowden or a story where he blew them off or was rude or anything like that. So um, he'd said something about, you know, it's not what you do, you know, with your job or how much money you have or anything like that. It's kind of basically what kind of world you leave behind and what your reputation is that determines how successful a person you are and from the outpourings I've seen in the last 24 hours or so, he seemed to have been a very successful person.
2: I remember the fact that he built that program out of nothing. Like, I was a kid, and Florida State was kind of building, and you know, you thought of Miami, like those miami eighties teams as being the only school in Florida that mattered, and then you'd have kind of the University of Florida, kind of make that little upsurge with Emmett Smith kind of later, but Florida State just came on the scene and just start stomping people out and winning national championships and winning games. And mm-hmm. it was just good to see another team – well, until they came to the ACC. It was it was good to see another team, you know, get Miami fits. And now that, they, now that they're in the ACC, it's funny. I respect Florida State because they're not really – they're a conference rival, but they're not our main rival. They're not Duke, so I don't have any uh, <laughs> enmity towards Florida State. If they would do I would curse them left, right and center and want them to lose everything in life. But they built a strong program based on athletic talent and like we said, we hope that Coach Bowden's family, you know, keep a good thought from them during this time. Now one of the things that we probably should discuss is the Democratic budget resolution and you assume the details What struck you most about some of this?
3: Um, The thing that struck me most about it was I was reading through all the stuff that they have, and it's not a lot. You know, it's just a few bullet points, maybe 10, something like that. And it kind of reminded me why I'm a liberal and why I vote for Democrats, because I want all the stuff on this, and I don't think any of it is asking too much, and I don't think any of it is too crazy it's very simple and it's you know a little bit of pie in the sky like a civilian climate corps there's going to be some pushback from the right about that like what does that mean you know, why are you getting people involved in stuff like this you know whatever it may be and I, it's not defined defined it's just you know we're going to do this but stuff like universal pre-kindergarten care a uh, medicare expansion Um, increasing Pell Grants, that's the stuff that it's like, yeah, this is why I keep voting for you guys, because I want these things that you put out. Now, what makes me, you know, the the other side of that is I'm like, okay, so what off this list are we going to lose in order to compromise with people who are unwilling to compromise? It's like, are you going to say, well, we'll we'll drop the legal legal permanent status for immigrants part, or we're going to... Drop the clean energy tax incentives, and it's like, well, what are this are we going to have to give up for people who never pass anything other than tax cuts for the wealthy and for corporations? But it all looks really good to me, and I, I would like to see it happen.
2: It's a strong plan, and I was surprised of the layered approach and how they have, how the Democrats have managed to. To get on the same page and kind of it, it looks strong to me. The out to me is the child care benefit for working families. Mm-hmm. Now, those are still those details are still being flushed out, but I mean, child care is expensive like, damn, mm-hmm. like it is. Oh, like I'm glad I'm at it. I am glad that there will be no babies in my future and. <laughs> Oh, because it is expensive, and it adds up. And I like the fact that, additionally, the increasing Pell Grants, the free two-year community college, because there are people who may not be ready for a four-year, who to a two-year for free get all those credits and then transfer to a four-year if they want. If they don't want to transfer to a four-year, they still have a two-year degree and can enter the workforce with that on their resume. And it's it's a good thing, and it's building for the future. It's not just well, tax cuts for the rich, like you said. It, it's more of an immediate, like, right now. Mm-hmm. So
3: it will help you every single day. Mm-hmm. Clean air will help you every day. Child care will help you every day. You know, I, exactly. I don't know what else we, we I need. Mean, and the, thing, the one that gets me the most, I complain about this all the time, the Medicare expansion for vision, dental, and hearing. It drives me crazy that vision, dental, and hearing aren't considered basic health care. Why aren't they already covered? And like for our, um, we have good insurance. My husband's a physician. We have insurance through the hospital system he works for. And for many years, we paid out of pocket for our dental. Dental wasn't on their insurance plan. Now it's an 80% coverage, I think. But how your sight and your hearing aren't considered part of your health care and your dental, it blows my mind. If you can't, I, There's a great article out there by Sarah Smarsh, it's a few years old, called, and I might get the title wrong, uh, The Problem of Poor Teeth in a Rich World, about how you can tell how someone grew up financially by the state of their teeth and how much dental work they have to have as an adult or how you're able to care for your teeth because there's no priority on dental health care. And so for that to be included in this Medicare if nothing else comes through, that's the one that I want to come through. Is that Medicare expansion. And I also like them lowering the age because when Gen, Gen X is aging, there aren't going to be that many people coming on to Medicare. So, you know, why not open it up to a lower eligibility age? We're aging? Apparently, that's what I hear. That's what my neck tells me.
2: That's what my knee tells me after softball. Hey, dude, you're aging. Sit your ass down. (laughs) (laughs) I see how does my friend. But no, it is, like, it is good that there's such a profound plan. I just, like you said, pardon me, wants to know how the Republicans intend on fucking this up. Mm -hmm. Because you know they're going to have, you you know they're going to be stupid somehow. Yeah.
3: They're going to look at that and say, no, I don't think that you need to get your teeth taken care of. Well, that's easy for you to say you get your teeth taken care of
2: exactly and i'm just waiting for somebody like uh dinesh as soon they crack on somebody's dental player. yeah exactly man looks like he he flossed with barbed wire Fuck out of here now <laughs> there's a lady named melissa de rosa she's a secretary of state in New York. She resigned. This is what she wrote. It has been a great honor to serve the people of New York for the last ten years. New Yorkers' resilience, strength, and optimism throughout the most difficult times has inspired me every day. Personally the last few years have been emotionally and mentally trying. I am forever grateful for opportunity to have worked with such talented and committed colleagues on behalf of our state. First, I need to credit Minister Rosa for not using the word Resiliency—that's not a word. But to her point, Mrs. Cuomo fallout. How is this man still governor of New York?
3: I don't know. Um, yeah, I wish I could say I was more surprised about this, but you know, having worked out there and, and dealt with the uh, with men in my life, I, I absolutely believe that this is how it how it went, and I. I've been kind of where she is, just working, like I said, in a retail store. You know, you get hit on and harassed and treated certain ways, and it's like you can only put up with it for so long and you've got to go. And I'm sure that she loved, you know, the people she worked with, and she liked the job that she was doing, and she just couldn't put up with it anymore. So good for her for, one, you know, resigning with such grace, and, two, for making sure that it doesn't happen to anybody else on her way out.
2: I just, for me, it's.
3: Sorry. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, I don't know how he's still governor. There, he should have stepped aside by this point. You know, if if other people have stepped aside for less, then he needs to look at that. And there needs to be kind of a, you know, I don't know, Chuck Schumer or somebody tap him on the shoulder and say it's time to go. On oh, uh,
2: just a human level, other other man, it's it's like this. Do people date in office? Yes, that's, it happens, but it, it, this is nowhere, this is full on criminal from him. This isn't dating, this is intimidation, this is using his office for his own lurid pursuits. It's wrong. And I've always been taught that if you are in a position of power, those who work with you, those who work for you, you have a duty to Lead them. This isn't leading. And it's gross. Just, it's wrong on every fucking level. Like, how? Like, you mean to tell me that the governor of a state, if he had such wants, couldn't, not, not saying this is right, because I'm not sure if, I think he's married, right? I believe so. If he weren't married, could possibly find his own entertainment outside of his office. The fact that he bound, he used his position of power to, you know, cure whatever freaky things that he wanted to do, it's criminal, like, and just morally bankrupt. Like, there's no defendants. And I see people defending, well, what do you do in that position? Not that. Nothing. I would go there. I will work my job and do other shit. People want to say that. You no, know, men, in, men in power. That no, it's, it's yes, it's men in power because you see these guys who, like you said, worked in retail. Guys with the little comments, the little leering—not the little leering, but the leering looks. Maybe the the unwanted hand or five it's just weird like mm-hmm. keep your hands to yourself and keep your i mean work is what work. Mm-hmm. i could be wrong <laughs> like you you show up you show up to work to work and then you go home and that's your life outside of work
3: mm-hmm. i'm looking here um the lieutenant governor in new york is a woman and if he were to step down and she were to ascend to the governorship it'd be the first female governor of the state of new york his name is uh, P- Kathy Hochul. Yes. People were saying that Buffalo. They,
2: they thought that uh, people were trying to enlist Hillary Clinton. as uh, Hillary Clinton's retired. Let, let her be. She's done. She said she was done. Yep. Like, I think some of these people who feel guilty about the fact that they didn't vote for her for president and realize that the last four years were, have to say this, their fault. Looking into Martha yeah. mark of my health. Yeah. So, gross. <laughs> so hey, The straight, when, when we come back, we, we need to talk about motorcycles and disease, but not the kind of disease that you think that would come from a motorcycle rally. You are listening to the Unadown Podcast, oh, sorry, Black Tuesday Podcast on the FPC Radio Network.
1: Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. Chumba. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumba. Chumba. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: We are back with the Black City Podcast. Here's a I think We gotta talk about Sturgis. For those who don't know... Sturgis is the the largest one of the largest motorcycle rallies in the country. They go out to South Dakota, it's like a week of eating, drinking, fighting, and oh okay, sorry, but it's mm-hmm. it's a motorcycle rally. And it it is become known as the one of the largest super spreads because you have folks from all over the country driving into South Dakota. Mm-hmm. The governor doesn't seem to care.
3: Mm-mm.
2: Somebody posted, somebody tweeted that there's about to be a bunch of Harley Davidson bikes for sale in about a month.
3: That's a way to look at it. I, yeah. I remember last year, they people were surprised that they would actually have Sturgis and almost a half a million people showed up to this thing. And so then they're having it again this year. I couldn't be less surprised they would have it again now, more than half a million people are coming and it was a super spreader event then, and it's going to be a super spreader event now and Nome seems fine with having super spreader events in South Dakota. It's not enough that she's got the what the highest per capita death rate of any state and then she was you know she was mad because she kept trying to open up events in South Dakota, and people didn't want to come and it's like, well, what did you expect? So, yeah, it's it's a shame because, you know, and people are saying, well, uh, they haven't cured cancer, they haven't cured the common cold. Well, no, but vaccines, I mean, when's the last time you met somebody who had polio or spent time in an iron lawn? You know, so, you know, the vaccines work. Just all you have to do is go and get this one free shot and we could have stuff like Sturgis and it could be fine, but I don't know. People just have decided that it's political and they're not gonna do it. And that's the boldness of these people.
2: Well, you know, I'm just gonna go and it's my right as an America. Freedom, yeah, you got right to, you know, die of a painful death. So one thing we're not fixing to do is sit there and take some of these people, well, you know, they are so anti vaccine now. Mm -hmm. I'm sick of saying to people in the hospital bed I was wrong you were told wrong you were told you've been wrong for the better part of a year and a half now you literally have fucked around and you're about to find the ultimate out you're about to find your way out of this point of existence like I'm amazed at the superhuman levels of stupidity that Americans are showing during this time Like, how it is this surprise. dumb? Like, this dumb. Like, to this level, like, the Delta variant is not really a joke.
3: Yeah. I think people are willing to kind of ignore it because we're tired of being inside, and it's nice, and it's summer, and we want to go out. And so people are kind of like, you know, I'll, I'll take my chances. I went out with my husband this weekend um, to the grocery store, and then we swung over by the bookstore. Um, we need to pick up something i'd been in with my daughter she wanted to pick something out for her birthday and i had said about there was this book that she had wanted and then she kind of changed her mind and he wanted to see what it was because he was thinking about getting it for her anyway um but it turns out that he actually had it at home so he didn't need to get it but um we just about everywhere we went the grocery store the bookstore stop at the gas station we were the only people wearing masks except for the occasional employee And my local grocery store chain, which is out of Pittsburgh, it's called Giant Eagle, they said that starting last Friday, the 5th, it was going to be, um, you had to have a mask come in the door, and I forget what else, and they they have someone out front like a greeter, and the only thing that he said to anybody coming in was that he was, um, he did like a whoa, 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 because my husband couldn't get the carts unhooked from each other, and he pulled on the cart too hard while people are going in without masks. And it's like, you know, that's not going to kill anybody. But, you know, you who go in the grocery store could be getting a COVID germs all over everything. So, you yeah. know, what's it going to be? Are you going to mandate the masks and make people wear them or they can't come in your business? Or are you just going to look the other way? And it seems to be where I am anyway, that they're just going to look the other way.
2: Senior. And meanwhile, the
3: hospital is filling up.
2: Filling up, like? The bed and ICU in ICU and some of these local hospitals are filling up and where are we going to put these people now? It's know. a mask. It's not an attack on freedom. It's a mask that could have helped mm-hmm. so many of these people. And it's sad because you know that this is going to get inevitably worse. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, i got to talk about Ron DeSantis. Jim McCossum said that it should be called the DeSantis variant because apparently infection rates in Florida are spiking to the roof. They had the largest day of infections that they've had since the outbreak, or since the pandemic started. I was amazed to watch other outlets praise DeSantis, how he handled it, and now they want to walk it back. Mm-hmm. As a Floridian, what happens to this man like what's going to happen to his political future or does this seal his fate
3: the polling is bad and he he's he walks back a little bit here and there i mean and i mean a little bit like within a sentence he'll walk something back but he's still pushing not even no mask mandate but mandating that you cannot have mask mandates um i watched an interview this weekend with the superintendent of Miami-Dade schools And I was like, you know, you're exactly in the right position to say we're doing a mask mandate in our schools. And if the governor doesn't like it and he's going to keep funding from us, we're going to take him to court. Now, I don't remember him saying anything like that, but he seemed like a really determined guy. And he seemed like a guy who's like, we're wearing masks. And I know that there's also um, a a young girl, I'd say, I think she's like 12-ish, in Leon County, which is Tallahassee, uh, who's going, who's, so she's suing the governor because she wants to be able to wear a mask to school. If you're going to demand that I go back to school, then I'm going to wear a mask while I'm there. And it's like, you know, somebody needs to step in and sue the governor and get this settled once and for all. You know, unfortunately, it might go, you know, for, well, the governor can make whatever laws that he wants to make. But this is a public health crisis, and he's making it worse. Texas and Florida alone are, what, a third of all new COVID cases? Just two states? And then you add the entire South, and it's more than half. I don't know what more he needs to do to tell people he doesn't care about them. He's had his vaccine, you can bet.
2: Oh, yes. And he's probably going to have the booster soon, whenever it becomes available. Mm Mm-hmm. It's more of a do as I say, not as I do. And, I mean, you have Lindsey Graham tested positive and now he's like all like, you know, trying to make sure that people understand the severity of it. Motherfucker, there's been severity for like the longest time we've been trying to tell people. Mm -hmm. Honestly, if you folks don't have it now, something happens, something happens.
3: If it wasn't serious before when it was happening to other people, why is it so much more serious now that it's happening to him?
2: It's that old trope of, I didn't think it was serious until it happened to me.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Man, go fuck yourself
3: jealousy. seriously. None. There's no feeling for other human beings. None. It's evident in their policy, and it's evident in their personal actions. Oh, selfish asses. Mm-hmm.
2: Man, that's the shit I can't, that's the shit I don't like. Yeah. It's the fact of continuously selfish behavior. Now, speaking of weirdly self behavior, we went to talk about the, the other Cuomo, which is Chris from CNN. Apparently he made his bosses the promise that he would not opine about his brother's situation. Do you think that he's doing the right thing by staying on the, on the air? Because you have right-wing folks who are, like, pressuring him off the air because probably because he's hard on them. But do, do you think that he's taking the right path?
3: I do. I I wouldn't say anything about it. One, from the family standpoint, you're just asking for trouble at Thanksgiving. Um, And two, how would anyone be able to take his commentary seriously? Because he literally has someone in this fight. He has a side to take. You know, either and I know not all families get get along that well, so you can be like well, either he's got an axe to grind because he doesn't like his brother, or um, he's automatically going to take his side because you know his brother can do no wrong and he loves his brother so i think that it's just best for him to not talk about this topic there are plenty of other people on um, cnn that that can and are talking about it um if if it doesn't fit into his show fantastic there may come a point where he can't avoid it anymore that wouldn't surprise me at all but i do think that he's not the right person to talk about this because he there could be things that he knows that aren't public knowledge, he could do something for the, you know, to damage the case. And I think, I think it's just best that he keep his nose out of it. There's I not many it. other people that can talk about it.
2: They have a bunch of people. He can just sit there and just feel like for a chunk his food. Just don't talk. Just do what like talk about the 10,000 other stories that's going on in, in the country. Yeah.
3: We get we on here all the time. You know, it costs you nothing to keep your mouth closed. Exactly.
2: Shut in for free. <laughs> Now, as a you are both a Floridian and a Pennsylvanian, you have dual citizenship, so to speak. <laughs> you, you know from the Waffle House and from Sheeps. No, it's I it's do. a it's, it's a. Now, there's been conjecture and there's been social media arguments. You have grown ass people fighting, bickering over the potential primary uh, kind of Conor Lamb. I Watson, oh sorry, Malcolm Young and John Fetterman. You are a Pennsylvanian. I got a bunch of questions for you. First, I want to talk about the Fetterman angle. Is he sunk?
3: No. I look at his social media. I used to interact with him fairly often until I found out about him chasing a guy down the street with a shotgun. Um, and uh, so, like, I, still, I he's still my lieutenant governor. I still follow him on social media, and I get on there, and all he wants to talk about is is legalizing weed and raising money. And he has so much interaction with people. I'm not saying that Twitter is indic- indicative of a greater following, but there, like if someone brings up either on Twitter or Reddit or something like that, this story of you know he chased a guy down because he heard fireworks and thought that a person walking down the street had a gun, people are shutting that person down. So that story is getting buried. And yeah, unless something really big comes out against Connor Lamb, I think it's going to be these two. Um, I'm disappointed that Malcolm Kenyatta um, aligned himself with the far-left Dems, because um, I'm really into him. I like what he has to say a lot. But, um, you know, I find him drifting more further left and, you know, that plus him, um, being a black man, being on part of the LGBT community, um, it's not going to bode well for centrist Dems and they're not going to pick somebody, unfortunately, like him. I'd be okay with it. But, you know, th- this is one of the reasons that I'm not part of the party is because, you know, you guys fight amongst yourselves. And pick the best person, and whoever you put on the ticket with a D behind their name, that's who I'll vote for. But I, this mess is turning into a mess. I think a lot of the candidates are seeing it as a national stage.
2: I mean, see, this is why uh, one of one of the million reasons why you know this show is important to me because you know Pennsylvania politics. You are sitting currently, probably not probably just definitely sitting in Pennsylvania somewhere. I am. What kills me is this: when there's a state election, why do folks from other states like to tell locals about what's happened?
3: Mm-hmm. It was driving me crazy during that Georgia election. It was like, stay out of their election. Stop telling people who to vote for. You know, people know what they want and who they want and no matter how much money you throw at them or how much influence you think you have, they're just gonna see you as a carpet bagger and get the hell out of here. Um and, and now we're it's coming for Pennsylvania too. We always get this during elections because we have a lot of electoral votes. But this is a this is a big vote, this senator um, election. And a lot of people from around the country have what they think is a stake in this because they want another democratic Senator. So they absolutely want the best candidate picked. We all do, but you know, this is for Pennsylvanians to decide. And luckily there's enough candidates here who are good candidates. I think we'll be able to pick somebody who's good. But, um, and we have a couple from Western Pennsylvania, which is really different and might bring in some of red Pennsylvania with it. But um, yeah, it's, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be a lot of um, move on and stuff like that coming in and telling us who we should be voting for. And a lot of in, the infighting in the party is starting. And some people are taking debate and some people aren't. But Connor Lamb coming in has gotten a lot of people, um, it like put a jolt under their chair.
2: For me, it is. I'm guessing the same thing to happen in Wisconsin next year or. Probably end of this year with Ron Johnson and whoever is going to secure the nomination. They have a guy named Mandela Barnes. He's the lieutenant governor. But he also has aligned himself with like the Bernie part of it. And I'm going to be real, like, to be real honest. I got people like, well, you know, he can win. I live in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. It's up until, I've been here 17 years. There have been two Democratic mayors in 17 years. The state, outside of the cities is primarily red. I have an issue with the fact that people are too stupid to see that Mandela Barnes, are you really going to go to Rhineland of Wisconsin or Lock through Flambeau, Wisconsin, upstate, middle of nowhere, where there's not another black person in sight for hours? And actually, I mean, it's these little things that people don't really understand. It's like, yes. There are enlightened people, but there are also still a lot of bigger ass people that won't vote for a black person even if they're the most qualified. It's just called what it is. Now, spinning back to PA, do you think that Kenyatta can I hate this phrase, but woo hearts and minds in Western PA, can you see him in Newcastle? Can you see him in Butler? Can you see him in Cranberry, like winning votes? (laughs)
3: Um we might have mentioned this before. I mean, he's got a lot of charisma and he's gotten a lot of things done. I'll give him that. He he works. And, um, you know, his, his policies and the stuff he talks about are not that far removed from the interests of Western Pennsylvanians. That said, um, I don't know how comfortable he'd be walking down the street in the little town that's the closest town to me. Um, and I don't know that the people who still have trump 2020 flags hanging from their cars and homes are you know interested in when the big election comes voting for um a queer black man from philadelphia um, it's just you know it's a pipe dream there's just most people here are are not going to go for that but luckily the people here are not most people in pennsylvania um you know the population kind of it it's kind of split red to blue there's a few crossovers here and there but um you know he would have a decent chance as long as he got all of the voters in pittsburgh philly erie wilkes-barre places like that um but yeah i i don't i think that here um i think around here democratically speaking fetterman probably has the best chance because he literally looks like he just could get out of the car at Cheats here. He looks like another dude that hangs out here. And they like his anti-establishment look and talk. Um, I know that there are very conservative people here who were maybe not into so much what he was saying when he was appearing a lot on CNN um, around election time uh, and coming on and talking truth. Like, you know, Joe Biden won this election. They didn't like that. But they like his delivery, and they like that he's got that regular dude kind of thing um but, like we've said before, he's only won that one statewide election, and that was for lieutenant governor and so and he's not doing much right now um you know people I don't know if they care about records or not, but i I'm not seeing a lot of action from him, but I don't think most people pay attention to that kind of thing. So I, I think he would have the best chance in red Pennsylvania. And so far it seems like lamb has the best choice or has the best chance overall.
2: I mean, for me, it's odd because I was going to ask a question. Do you think that Conor Lamb could conceivably walk into North Philadelphia or a center city and, Mingle in with those folks,
3: and that's an, an equal question that we need to be asking. You know, what is he doing in the job he's in right now for people? Um, yeah, I I'd like to see more action from him, uh, like with like let's say housing equality, or you know, getting a law passed in Pennsylvania. You can't discriminate against gay people in housing. We don't have one, um, and and he's in a position where he could help make one. And it's like okay, well then get up off your butt and do it. Don't just make it part of your platform. And where's the bill? Get get it going in there. Um, I'm not terribly familiar with him. I know his race was close um, to get uh, this position he's got now uh, with a Republican within um, you know Pittsburgh. So I don't know how well he'd do with other Democrats, but I do know that people. In general, Democrats tend to like moderate establishment-type candidates. So if he can be that, he has a good chance just based on that alone. But, yeah, I'd like to see him or any of these candidates. There's not just these three that we've talked about. I'd like to see any of them sitting down in a diner in North Philly, you know, and and talk to people and find out what are the issues that are facing you every day and how – you know, what What of these things that I have done has made a difference for you? Instead of, you know, and if I'm elected, I will do this, and how would you like that? It, I'm tired of the, the promises and no action, and I think that a lot of people would be more willing to listen to somebody who's actually done something that's helped them out.
2: It's grown tiring. It's, we're weary at this point because it's more of, wanting the most out of these seats. And because there are people, we know them because they're in the squad, they believe as though they're entitled to their seats they have because they're safe blue seats. And honestly, they don't even have to campaign that hard for them. They really don't have to campaign hard for these seats. Like, that's why you see them in Ohio, NPA. Mm-hmm. I'll guarantee you that AOC is going to be in Pennsylvania. So will Lord Stendington, Bernie Sanders. Yeah. I mean, these people will be there and
3: And they're not but, gonna be in areas like where I live. They're gonna be in areas that are already safe and blue, like you're saying.
2: hmm They'll be in Philadelphia. They'll be in parts of Pittsburgh. They'll yeah. maybe be in the state college. But yeah. they're not gonna roll up in Hazleton and say, Hey, we're here. No. No, no. They're not really here for that nonsense. They're not here then.
3: Yeah, you, you could have knocked me over with a feather when I saw that Connor Land stopped in Countersport. I'm like, And talk to who?
0: <laughs> yeah. like
3: the one Democrat who lives in Countersport. My husband had looked at a job in Countersport. Um when we were when he was in residency and we were thinking of, you know, where he would want to work, um, beginning practice. And we visited Countersport and it's really physically beautiful, but it was like we I can't do it here. It's too isolated and um There's a lot of weird stuff out of Countersport, and I saw that Connor Lamb stopped there. I'm like, really, really in Countersport? But it's like, okay, if it worked for you and you got out of there, more power to you.
2: See, see, it's it's a good sign. I just, you mentioned the party fighting and why you're—I mean, it makes sense why you're independent because I'm watching—I'm watching unfold. I'm watching people just rip each other apart. And here's the thing. The way left probably won't win a big election for a very long time, if ever. Their voice, and I think what complicates it for Kenyatta is, like you said, his association with, he was there making photo ops of Cory Bush. He was there with, you know, centrist, regular liberals. They're going to turn it off. And what, as a black dude, I'm going to rent a little bit, but what kills me is this. Every black person doesn't get the benefit of a doubt from me. Every white person doesn't get the the, the side I discourage from me. It's a case-by-case basis, and there's a trope of black people are not a, I'm not a monolith. Well, no shit, we're not. We've never been a monolith. But when it comes to Black politicians, oh, you know, we gotta, no, no, we don't have to square with black politicians. i did not supporting the Turner. I'm not out here with Jamal Bowman, stupid ass. Because of their politics. Because of who they choose to embrace. Your message is your message your bond is your bond. And I'm sorry. God damn, no. There, I mean, there's a line and Kenyatta's of the far left disturbs me. Yeah. Does my voice matter in all this? No, I'm not from Pennsylvania, but I can give him a side eye because I'm like that's kind of sketchy. Does that make sense?
3: Yeah, it, it makes complete sense. You, like you said, not everybody's a monolith. Not everybody's into everything. Um, I didn't realize that he. I mean, I I get that he would be a little bit more left of center because of you know the things that that he prioritizes. But it surprised me a little bit when I saw him cozying up to some of the, the farther left. And it's like, do you think that's where he's positioning himself in this senatorial race is the, you know, the Bernie Kratt crowd for their vote? Because they're, they're not that many, at, at least not around here. I, I have like one, one of my liberal friends is a Bernie person. Um, and is really, like you'd think it was 20 Bernie people when, when the person talks but um, yeah it, I I just I don't know that it's a great place for him to set up I hope he's not seeing it as a shortcut to votes when he's got a record that he can stand on but um, you know I'd, if he comes around I'd definitely like to go and see him just to be like hey friendly face <laughs> everything's okay um, but you know I, I just I feel like I, I like he had it and I feel like it's like sand through his fingers now and it's not because of Fetterman it's not because of Connor Lamb it's just because I don't see him setting himself up closer to the center
2: that's the part like if That's the part that still sits with me, sits wrong with me, just, just because the, they're grasping of it. And just from the outside viewpoint, Pennsylvania is not that state. And just, even if it were Wisconsin or this, it's some of these candidates have to understand, you attach yourself to the far left, you're going to piss off the center. You're going to piss off the liberal part, the, the liberal part of the party. Folks don't forget this. And you have a habit of losing Big elections. I can't think of one big election that a way left or has won. Can you?
3: Um, well, I mean, Setterman had himself aligned with the, with the far left. With you know, He was out saying he was a Bernie guy, and he got this lieutenant governorship. But when he did, he moved to the center to do it. He didn't come out and say he was running on different... Um, points that the the far left has brought out and he also wasn't going around um you know shaking hands and bringing in um like aoc and and people like that to come and be his um surrogates he moved to the center won the election and then went back to the left again um and and he has kept true to that well you know this is what i stand for and i'm not going to do anything about it kind of mentality and that alone, I think, if people look closely, are going to be like, well, why would I want to elect somebody who's not going to get anything done? He he's had this place and this um, way to get it done, and like like the others who are in the far left of this party, nothing's happening. And, and you know, all it takes is for Connor Lamb to bring that up, or Malcolm Kenyatta to bring that up, and that might do it. I really hope that if there's some kind of debate or something, somebody brings up this this story from. Uh, Braddock because it does make him angry. It does set him off. And, um, you know, some people will like that, seeing him get angry. And some people are going to be like, absolutely not. I, I don't want somebody like that to represent me in the Senate.
2: Now, here's the thing. When Fetterman, not Fetterman, but I'll, I'll go back to Kenyatta for a second. He aligned himself with the far left, the burners. These are the same people who decided to call the folks in South Carolina that swung the not the election but swung the nomination Biden's way, low-information voters. He aligned himself with people who called other Black people stupid because they didn't look the way they wanted to. This may not be the brush that. Kenyatta wanted to paint himself with, but it's tied together. All this is connected. And he literally sat down with these people and said, I'm okay with you being this way. I'm okay with you being how this is. And same people, give a mic another burner guy called Jim Clyburn stupid. Jim Clyburn in that Jordan meet, he took it personally. You saw what happened in Ohio. Mm -hmm. They really weren't taking that nonsense from him and Kenyatta has to realize, you're aligning yourself with people who called the trailblazers, the visionaries, stupid because they didn't vote the way you want. They're calling you, your people, our people, dumb. And by aligning with them, you're, you're cool with that. That's all, it, Although I want the best candidate out of Pennsylvania, because I'm not a I just want to see Blue as an outsider. Mm-hmm. Malcolm, you gotta, he's gonna learn. He's going to learn. Because if it comes down to nationally, if they start ruling in the burners, you know that Conor Lamb will start ruling in. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets big endorsements too.
3: Yeah. And Fetterman and Kenyatta might split those far left people. That's the and part. Conor Lamb gets all of the establishment and that's it. That's your election.
2: Exactly. And I always I, I laugh at when people say that the establishment vote, you know, swung the election. When did likely become part of the establishment? Like the entirety of this country's history has been spent on making sure that we didn't get much. Mm-hmm. And now that, you know, we apparently have positions of power when it comes to voting and I'm, I'm establishment now. Look at me being all established.
3: <laughs> <Thank> you. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I guess the definition of establishment varies from how people want to use it. You know, like if you're going to say, you know, um, the the church ladies voting the way that you expect them to vote is establishment, then that's establishment. If it's, you know, people between certain ages, you know, who voted for this person in the past is establishment, then that's establishment. So yeah, I kind of think of it as a um, establishment is established Democrats, people who have You know, a record of passing democratic legislation or voting a certain way or doing certain community work, that's how I kind of think of the definition of establishment. And there always seem to be moderate Democrats, but they could be somewhere else on the spectrum, but the spectrum is skewed now because there's so many more people on the farther left, or at least there are more vocal people on the farther left. I don't know if there's actually more people that consider themselves very left, or if it's just the fact that the ones who are there are louder about it.
2: Because, like I said, for those who haven't been to Pennsylvania, it is—it's pretty much two states. It's like three states in one, or even two. In the east, very urban parts. <coughs> excuse me, and the west. Pittsburgh, of course, is an urban area, but it's a lot of country. It's a lot of country, and it is a lot of red. And the best candidate is going to have to be able to bridge that gap and pick a little from each part. Although I will never ask you who are you leaning towards right now because it's just so early, and your vote's your vote. But
3: and I can't you... vote in the in the election anyway because I'm an independent.
2: Which is true.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, Not in the primary. I can really if you that. had
2: to project, predict, prognosticate, all the, all, all, all of the, all of the uh, the, how do you see this turning out?
3: From what you uh, know right now. If I had to guess, based on, I'm trying to think of uh, who's running. I'm looking that up right now. Because all I can think of are those three, but I know that there's a woman, um, but I'm blanking on who is candidates okay candidates um uh, okay a woman from Mechanicsburg who's a former ambassador to Denmark okay um a real estate developer an author from Cranberry um a businessman from Westchester it looks pretty um pretty um I don't know my phone just went crazy uh oh that's the Republicans okay yeah screw those guys um uh, I don't to see. I have to search the word Fetterman. Okay, there we go. Uh, Val Arcouche, who's a doctor out of Philly. Kevin Baumlin, uh, the chief of <clears throat> emergency and urgent care at Penn. So I've got two medical people. Fetterman Kenyatta. Alexandria Khalil, who's a member of the Jenkintown Borough Council. <clears throat> John McGuigan, who's a councilman. Connor Lamb. Eric Orts, who's a professor at Wharton, and Sharif Street. You know Eric Orts?
2: The name sounds familiar.
3: Yes. Eric Orts, professor at the Wharton School, the Trump alma mater at Penn, Mm -hmm. and Sharif Street, state senator for the 3rd District of the Democratic Party, son of the former mayor of Philadelphia, John Street, and nephew of former state senator Milton Street. Uh, Yeah. So it looks like, according to the five pictures across the bottom... <laughs> um the interesting ones are Val Arcouche, uh who's that's a, a woman. Um she's the chair of the Montgomery County Board of Commissioners, Fetterman, Kenyatta, Lamb and Street. Um, I do think there's gonna be some cancellation between the Philadelphia people and then you have got two from Western Pennsylvania. Um I, I'd say honestly, as far as I can tell, it would be a toss up between Fetterman, Kenyatta, and Lamb, because the other people don't have name recognition. Those four have Wikipedia articles about them, (laughs) just to put it in a little bit of context. So, um, but you never know. Something could come out. Someone could do something really interesting. I don't, I honestly don't think it's going to be Fetterman. I think it's going to be Connor Lamb. But any one of them will be voting. With the Democrats, I don't think any of them is going to make trouble in terms of where their vote is going to lie and with the majority. I don't think that we have any Kristen Sinema's or Joe Manchin's in there. And I know that they're representatives, but I think that we're set with with all these candidates. I don't see any of them causing any – wanting to make a national headline for going against the Dems.
2: Can Can we talk about Kristen Sinema for a second?
3: Yeah, I am always up to talk Kristen cinema because <sighs> she's exhausting.
2: Tired, to ask, just <laughs> in recently blue Arizona, she is one of the two allegedly Democratic senators. How has she managed to tank her entire reputation and flush all the political collateral that she's had in her short time in office? Like, it's startling
3: yeah I don't know what's up with that. I was listening to someone um who's uh, had lived in Arizona for a while, and uh she was their representative, i think like on a state level, and they said you know she went right along with party lines, she did all the things you expected her to do, did events and met with people and listened and passed legislation, and you know just kind of flew under the radar and did all the things she's supposed to do. And they said when she got to the national stage, she got some attention for her appearance or her antics or um, just, you know, being uh, like, say, the first bisexual congresswoman. Whatever it was that got her attention, it's like that spotlight changed the way that she behaved. And they're like, we didn't get any of this or we didn't see any of this coming. We thought that she was just kind of a regular person who, you know, is maybe a little iffy because you're a Democrat in a pretty Republican area, but they didn't expect for her to start kind of going crazy and being like, you know, everybody look at me. And it's like, well, you can tell by looking at her, she's everybody look at me. Maybe she could do it a little bit more with, with uh, appearance than she could with, you know, messing with people's futures and, and their lives. But I don't think anybody could be really all that surprised. But apparently, the people in Arizona are because they they thought they were getting one thing and they got something else. She's a, an enigma to me. I got to say.
2: And it's like it's the needing for attention. Did you see the clip of her and was it? I want to say was that Rob Portman when she's making all the facial expressions when he's talking. She's like ripping his arm and she goes from fear to eh to blah. Did you see that clip?
3: I did not, but I need to look that up.
2: I mean, it is... It's wild to me, and that she is... She might mess around and be in trouble.
3: When she walked up and did that thumbs-down thing,
2: mm-hmm.
3: it was like that, you know, that that wasn't about voting. It wasn't about doing things for for people for their benefit it was all about production and I see her clinging to Rob Portman <laughs> it's like oh you must stop you know other people are standing and we can't say it's wrong for uh, Cuomo to grab people and look the other way when Kristen Cinema does it
2: and the, the expression on her face
3: hmm.
2: like for the camera high drama it is high drama and she's like clinging on the rock. It's just, it's so fucking creepy. Like, why are you doing this? Like you're a, I literally believe that she could be a, like this might be her last term because are people in Arizona going to tolerate this.
3: It, It is embarrassing. You know, you send somebody in to be your proxy and they behave like, a a love-struck high school junior. It's, it's crazy. You just, it's like, you know, we hire you to be a professional person and come in and do a job. I don't care how she dresses. I don't care about, you know, what her bag is or something. I do care when she's sacrificing and things are important to people because she has to have a spotlight on her and that's the way she comes across. If that's not how she is, you know, that's, that's one thing, but that's the way I interpret her actions. That's the way it comes across to me. And if I can't be the only one who's, like, seeing what she's doing and thinking, well, she's doing this for the theater of it, for the drama of it. If she doesn't want people to think that, then she needs to change what her actions are.
2: And that's a part I tell you, because there have people who are defending. Well, you know, she's still young. She'll learn.
3: Kristen Sundman
2: is 45 years old. Get the fuck out of here with that shit.
3: (laughs) Yeah, she remembers uh, the first day of MTV. She's too old for this.
2: Right. She's 45. She's not 15. She's not 20. She's 45. She's a grown-ass woman. Yeah. With knee problems and sketchy political aspirations. I mean, it's, it's just a bad look. It's such a bad look for the party.
3: I also and, want to throw in here that I do like her style. I like her dresses and her jewelry and stuff. I don't want that to come across, that I'm being critical of it. But it, 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 it's like it's a costume. Yes, it's a
2: costume. And, like, I was watching The View, and apparently
3: her and Megan McCain are, like, good friends, which... That doesn't surprise me.
2: To the surprise of none.
3: They should trade stylists and see what happens.
2: There's no one, one more subversive.
3: Do one of those hairstyles?
2: Yeah, there's no one more subversive in the United States than Megan McCain's Silence on the view. That person is part of the resistance. That person their they gave a fuck dissipated years ago. She's like, you know what? I'm just gonna do your hair any old way and you're gonna wear this like checkerboard polka dot iridescent floral pattern shirt and your hair's going to be looking like a combination of a a Shriner's hat and unmotivated wheat, basically. It's just...
3: I don't don't even know where you find clothes like that.
2: To quote the movie sage, Brick Tamlin, at the toilet store. (sighs) Ah, yeah, it is bad. So... I have a, one last. I have one last question. Ask music. Okay. Has there been a band in the course of your life that has capitalized more on movie soundtracks and nothing else than Survivor? Smash Mouth. Oh my God, that is <laughs> that is true.
3: I really thought for a second you were going to say Smash Mouth <laughs> when you said Survivor. I was like, oh, I've got my answer.
2: <laughs> oh my God, yes.
3: Yeah, because Smash Mouth didn't have a song that wasn't in a movie. I can't think of one. And it's like, you know, though, from a business standpoint, it's really smart because you will get royalties on that forever, and you don't have to do anything else. So, yeah, I would say Smash Mouth. But, yeah, Survivor's up there, too, absolutely.
2: I mean, they are... I'm looking at it now. It is a lot. It is. I'm going to read some of these to you. Okay. Everything from celebrities, Flash, Australia, the heat Two, to the greatest sports wins of all time, the forensics, hitchhiker, America's got talent. We can possible the king of Queens. Austin awesome powers and gold number. The Simpsons. The sweetest thing. Alias. Q&A. Clockstoppers. Big fat liar. Smallville. On the team. Movie. Rat Ray. Shrek. On the digital crescent. We mess up. Digimon. Snow Day. Friends. Deuce Bigelow. Roswell. Mystery Men. Inspector gadget. Basketball. can't hardly wait. Wild Things. Half-Big. American Werewolf. In Paris. Yes. You have won. You have one. You have one today. They (laughs) yes. I just thought Sabri because of like Rocky Three and Four made them. Like that was it. They did nothing else. But Smash Mouth has a cottage industry in providing milk toast background music for movies.
3: Yep. And the thing is, Gen Z loves that opening song from Shrek. They use it in memes and stuff all the time, so it's just, like, more money in their pockets, I guess, so...
2: Gen Z yeah. does love I'm a Believer, don't they?
3: Yeah. They, did, they did a cover of I'm a Believer, and the sad part is how many people think that's a Smash Mouth song.
2: Exactly. They, like, I hear it at awful, softball but I'm like, why, why are they playing that in the dugout? That is the... Uh, mm-hmm. That's the whitest thing in the world. Like, I felt uncomfortably black. I'm like, wow, I am, <laughs> I'm, you know, pretty much, you know, like, I just need to grow the fur out now and wear the beret and put the fist in the air. I just don't feel comfortable here. <laughs> I mean, it was the wiring of it all. And like, and like, somebody had like a boombox feature and they're like, they're playing it. Oh, Lord. Like during like the, the team's comeback. I remember sitting there and we're playing the team that are playing I'm like we need to beat the fuck out of them I'm like I I am done
3: <laughs> yeah when you come we back beat and beat them, them play the monkeys version
2: exactly we beat them to sleep and I'm like you know what? we beat their ass I'm like yeah play, play another one like as we're part of the game I'm, I'm running the bases play another one go ahead I slow up to talk shit like I am running around second the ball's at the wall so I'm gonna score anywhere so I like jogging to third I'm still gonna score I, I stop running Look at Joey up. Play another one. <laughs> and then jog home. We beat that team like 25 to 4. Oh, man. Yeah. That's
3: like a Pirate score. <laughs> just,
2: I mean, I can't talk about the Pirates because the Mets two weeks ago had a five game lead in first place. Mm-hmm. Mets going to the playoffs. The Mets got swept by the fucking Phillies. Now they're a game and a half out. Mm. Collapse. This is, this reminds me of the time of like 2009, well, oh, 2010 when the Mets were, they were, they they had a seven game lead with 17 to go, right? They lose the division by three games. I was so hurt. Like, I had to sit in a room and just be quiet for like five minutes because I didn't want to be talking. Being a Mets fan is like being Nicolas Cage and leaving Las Vegas. <laughs> like, you know what you're doing is wrong, but you really can't stop yourself. I'm not saying there's anything involving a, a hooker in the movie, but it is more of like the path of self-destructive behavior of a Mets fan. Like, you, you get your hopes up every season. Like, oh, this is a year. Mm-hmm. It hasn't been our year since 1986. I was 12. <laughs> <laughs> I was 12 and my voice was significantly higher than it is right now. Mm-hmm. And it's a disappointment. Yeah. I mean, I'm so sitting there. Pitch,
3: when pitchers uh, and catchers report, my husband always says, We're not losing yet.
2: See? <laughs> Optimism.
3: He's optimistic.
2: You, yep. See? You got to like that.
3: I um, will tell him that you call them optimistic. It will blow his mind. <laughs> that's optimistic. It's. It, <laughs>
2: He's a glass half full kind of guy. And I mean I mean, being a Mets fan, honestly, is like someone slowly kicking you in the man region slowly. And then as the season goes on and it gets progressively harder. To the point where you start losing consciousness, you start crying and crumble to your knees and you're like, Why why does it happen to me? That's pretty much the life of a Mets fan.
3: Yeah, I'm looking right now. You're two and a half games back. The Pirates are twenty five games back. Oh God. Yeah, well, the Diamondbacks are 36 and a half games back. So it could be, we're not the worst in the league. (laughs) We're the worst in the division.
2: The Pirates just need to be better. Like, sell the team. Sell it to the Rooney family. They have money, don't they? Yeah, they own the Steelers.
3: Yeah. Yeah. you sell it to me. I got 10 bucks. I could do better than you.
2: (laughs) That's right. Bring back the red jerseys.
3: I'll think about it. I'm not bringing back those hats that are like, boxy and have the yellow stripe around. Are you serious? Those are awesome. I, I hate those. Yeah, my husband loves them too. I hate them. But they would look cool on the Altoona Curve, which is a Pirates uh, franchise team that's local here because they have that conductor theme element to them. They would look good on them.
2: But you don't like the red jersey with the giant pirate logo?
3: I don't. Oh my God. I don't because so bad luck. That and the bumblebee outfits are bad luck.
2: As it just takes me back to the the VMO outfits. It's like a pot starter thing. Like you got go the old pots and Davey Park and smoking cigarettes in the dugout.
3: Okay, they can bring back the red jerseys if they have a giant Joe altar out front where I can stop and offer cigar and rum. <laughs> I
2: mean, I mean, they will be better. They will be good one day. I think the Pirates. They they can't be this bad forever. I mean, they had a beautiful stadium. That's the one thing that who was it. McClashy, the owner back then, mm-hmm. did he sold the team, right? Uh,
3: you know, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I think they used to to have good management. I, and I know that the the team itself had great management for a long time, and then the front office just took all that out and just. Like I've said a million times on here, treats him like a farm league for the rest of the, or a farm team for the rest of the league. We had an all-star, and they traded him away.
2: The Pirate owners now. I'm not making this man's name up. Bob Nutting. What is it? Bob Nutting. N u t t i n g. Bob Nutting.
3: Well his
2: his last name's a verb.
3: (laughs) 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 Oh my gosh.
2: Do you know how much he's worth?
3: Um I have no idea. A billion. He's a billionaire. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, how do you get to be a billionaire? You treat the pirates like shit. He is one of the twenty richest owners in baseball. I see a picture of him. He look. He looks like his last name would be Nutting.
2: Like I'm looking at the list. Like John Stan on the how long is?
3: This? Yeah. yeah, but classy well, is the last one I knew a name for. That's how far back my knowledge goes.
2: The richest owner is, who do you say the richest owner would be?
3: Hmm?
2: Who do you say is the richest owner in baseball?
3: I, it's a little hard for me to hear. My dog has decided to start fussing at me.
2: Oh, who do you say is the richest owner in baseball?
3: The richest owner in baseball. Oh, gosh. Um, probably somebody that owns, I don't know. Hmm. I have no idea. I can't even pick what team they own.
2: The Giants' owner is uh, has four billion, and the Mets' owner is worth fourteen billion.
3: Fourteen billion dollars with a B. <laughs> yes. My God.
2: But to his credit, he said he wants to spend money to win, and I'm like, I'm all for it because the Wilpons, they had money, and then they gave it to Bernie Madoff, and then they had. It. A lot less money, so they had to go cheaply. Steve Cohen's like, I'm trying to win now.
3: Yeah, I mean, so this dude could buy the Pirates and have change left over. Yes. So, I don't understand why. It's it's a pissing match with billionaires.
2: Mhm. I don't understand why the. Like, play, like football owners or basketball owners, they, they, they don't buy a team with like the Pirates. Think about it. If you're Mark Cuban and you try to buy the Cubs and the Mads team, you turn it on both times.
3: Mm-hmm. Pirates Mark Cuban are right is there. from Pittsburgh.
2: It's right there. It's symmetry. He mm-hmm. turned the Mavericks into a winner. I think Mark he hasn't
3: tried to bring us a basketball team, to be honest.
2: He couldn't because the Mavericks, like, he owned the Dallas Mavericks.
3: Ah.
2: And it has to be named the Fish. It has to be nothing else. The fish.
3: <laughs> I did like the um, penguin stealers. I thought that was brilliant. That is the fun. Penguin stealers, and then it, the mascot is a pirate, like with a penguin tucked under his arm.
2: See, it's it's one of those things that uh, the pirates will be better, and the match will probably cause me to, you know, my hair. Could, I'm gonna look like Morgan Freeman by October. Seriously, like not putting Morgan Freeman, like current day Morgan Freeman.
3: I'll get busy living or get busy dying.
2: Pretty much. Like, my hair's going to be so white, it's probably going to call the cops on the rest of me for being black and too close to it.
3: <laughs> well, on the upside, people will think you're God.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't have the voice, though. I don't have the voice for it. But how can people interact with you on social media and hear more of these nuttings? <laughs> 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 <laughs>
3: um. They don't have to send me any pictures related to nutting Just <laughs> make fun of them. <laughs> they can find me at Edenza, E-D-E-N-Z-A on Twitter and elsewhere.
2: You can find us on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, everywhere. This has been another episode of the Black Tuesday Podcast. Be good to yourselves. Be good to each other. Nutting.